Welcome to Driving the Seabus. I'm your host, Scott McComb. I'm chairman and CEO of a little community bank in Columbus, Ohio called Heartland Bank. My travels really expose me to some very interesting people, entrepreneurs that are world-class people in their own right, but run businesses that are up and coming in the 13th largest city in the country, which is Columbus. Each one of them is is also uh, unique in their own way. Their upbringing is different. Their family life might be different. But ultimately, the one thing that holds us all together as entrepreneurs is hard work and dedication and our love of our people. So that's what we try to do here on the podcast is figure out what makes these entrepreneurs tick, what makes these areas of Columbus what they are, and how Columbus really became the place that it is today. Welcome to another edition of Driving the Sea Bus. I'm your host, Scott McComb, and uh, I wanted to uh, uh, welcome this morning Betty Collins. And Betty's with Brady Ware and Company. Um, in 2012, through a merger with Nips Brown, Collins, and Associates, she started her career in public accounting uh, way back in 1988. And uh, as a co-leader of the long-term care service team, which helps provide services to individuals with intellectual and development disabilities and nursing centers, established effective operational models so that they maximize their available funding. Um, She consults with other small businesses, helping them prosper and advice with advice on general uh, operations management, cash flow, optimization, tax flow, and all those great things that that, uh, CPAs uh, do for your business. Um, in addition, though, a big uh, portion of, uh, besides her serving on the board of directors of Brady Ware and company, uh, she really has a passion for women-owned businesses and supporting uh, businesses or, or associations such as the National Association of Women-Owned Businesses, and uh, she's the president-elect of the uh, Columbus chapter of that organization. Um, you know, Brady Ware also partners with Women's Small Business Accelerator, which is an organization here locally to help female business owners develop and implement a strong business strategy through education, mentorship, and and all the uh, things that come along with that. Uh, Betty's a graduate of the Mount Vernon Nazarene College up in uh, Mount Vernon, Ohio, and uh, a member of the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. With that, I'd like to welcome you to the program. Well, thank you for having me today. Glad to be here. My pleasure. So uh, you you got you became a CPA back in 1988. Tell me about. Let's just get to know. Uh, Betty is a person okay. at first. So tell me, tell me about your family and your upbringing. Uh, sure. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Old Town Westerville over by Otterbein College. Yeah. Yes. Um, grew there. Uh, we, they were, we came from a large family and both of my parents uh, were blue collar and they said to all six of us, you will go to college and you will, by the way, pay for it and put yourself through. And we did that. And um, it was funny because yesterday we just, um, my dad has passed away and we just, um, they sold the house, the old homestead of 50 years, and we got to see the new people had renovated it, and we got to be there yesterday. So that's kind oh, of where I'm neat. from in that area. And um, then I went to Mount Vernon uh, back in the 80s, and my first job out of college was in food service. And I went to Rochester, New York area, and um, I worked for a company where I was the only woman in that company. There was about 50 people total, and we ran food services at colleges. 
And so I did that and loved it, actually. I mean, it was a lot of fun being around the energy of, of that, you know, still. But I knew I wanted to have families, and I'm a Buckeye. So came back here. and O-H-I-O, that's right. Um, and then I, um, my neighbor was Randy Nips. So the old company I worked for was Nips Brown Collins. And um, he said, you know, you could come back to Ohio and be a CPA or uh, work for the, the CPA firm. And I said, you know, I have no interest in being a CPA. Um, I probably won't stay long accounting. I, it's it's okay, but I like management and people. Um, but, you know, I, if, if you understand, I'm only going to be there a couple of years. Well, that was in 1988 back in the day. And in 95, a new partner came in and said, you act like an owner. Why aren't you one? And I said, I don't really want to be a CPA, let alone own my own business, um, let alone be in accounting. And in 2000, I became an owner. <laughs> and by that point, I'm a CPA. So I have a podcast that says, um, uh, your nevers are your opportunities, because every time I say I was never going to do something. So that partner and I, from 2000 to 2012, built that company. And I was part of a long-term care team which was the primary business we had. But general business was my passion for sure. And so I stuck with that. And um, and I ran the firm and was kind of his support in co-leading that long-term care. And then in 2012, Brady Ware and a couple other firms actually, because mergers very common, said, hey, we'd love to, to tap into two things. One, the long-term care business, and you have a woman shareholder. And we'd like someone to run a women's initiative in Brady Ware. So it was a really good match. Meanwhile, from all that time, I had two kids. Um, my son is a minister in Gen- Geneva, Ohio, and he had just had a first child. So that has been uh, the fun stuff. Um, and wonderful. Jude, he's 10 months old. And then my daughter is a teacher at uh, Reynoldsburg Schools, and she um, teaches fifth grade math and loves the sciences and STEM and all that kind of stuff. So that's, oh, that's a little bit about us. We, we live in Gahanna. I uh, love Gahanna. That's really how I, I know you uh, through the chamber. And I serve on the uh, uh, Community Impor- Improvement Corporation. Yep, the so. CIC there. Yep, yeah, I, CIC. As I did at one point. Yeah. Uh, so you were the incoming president, I think, of the chamber. Is that right? Or no, you... chamber. I, I, I served on the chamber. I, I'm done with being on that board. Okay, gotcha. So, so. Good deal. But I still support the chamber. They're great. So Wonderful. That's great. Why? Uh, interesting. Uh, why did you think you did not want to be a business owner? You know, I mean, I, it's really strange. You were talking about women-owned right. businesses, and you said you didn't really want to do it, but now you're doing it, and now you're teaching other people how to do it. So why did you think you didn't want to be a business There's owner? nothing like someone else signing your paycheck, okay, versus you have to meet payroll. And that was my biggest fear. What if we don't meet payroll? What if we don't have sales? What if, and I didn't want that liability. It was very nerve wracking. You know, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of an accountant. (laughs) Everything's got to be really in a row, right? All those ducks have to be in a row. And so that was nerve wracking to me. But once I became the owner, I was so regretful that I had not done it earlier. I missed out on some really good opportunity because of it. Now, just talking about, though, being a business owner, that is a very important point that the buck kind of stops with you. It does. The performance of the company starts with you. It ends right. with you. You eat last. Yep. You. I mean, all those things happen, and it's and that's why people are able to build wealth though, and equity because they're willing to take that risk. Yes. Right? Yes. I mean, in Brady Ware, we have four offices and 150 employees. I have a responsibility to that. 
you know, our, those families are counting on us. They, they want their health insurance renewed. They want a good policy and benefits. Um, you know, you have to be always thinking in that direction. You're the last paid. You may be the largest some years. You may be the smallest. But it's, it's one of those things where it's a huge, huge risk. But it, really what I kind of, as I came to Bradyware and got more involved with uh, women's organizations, what I realized was I, I did a whole book on the why, with Simon Simic's why. Why am I in accounting? And it really came down to this. The marketplace in this country is crucial. And when it is, when it is successful, employers have employees. Those employees are your families and your communities that build infrastructure you know, where you work, live, and play. And there's just a huge role, and the accounting part of it is just a venue. So I kind of realized if when the marketplace works in the U.S., it works in the world. So so you, it, it starts one community, one one state, one union together. So that was my, my passion kind of became more of that, and you got to help people succeed. Well, it's also a great foundation. I mean, you can yeah. start your business in a number of different acumen, right? I mean, yeah. some people do it on the sales side. Mm-hmm. Some people are functionally, uh, you know, they, they create things, so they're on mm-hmm. the creative side. They could create a process or a product right. or a widget or whatever. Then you got the people that – deal with the balance sheet, the income statement, understand the leverage of capital. And right. and that really is the foundation of accounting. And and, uh, and and you have to have that expertise inside your business to be successful, period. Every Absolutely. business has to have it. There is no, there isn't any other, you know, there's no other factor that is included in every business. Right. It's no different than banking and, and accounting, whether you have an attorney, you're the attorney in the business. You know, a lot of clients will go, well, that's your thing. I don't really like numbers. You're the accountant. It's like, these are your numbers. And yeah, you, you got to have it. You like those numbers. Right. You got to have at least an understanding. You know, <laughs> right. you can't just go, oh, that's your job. No, uh, it is my job, but it, they're your numbers. So. Right. Now, let's shift gears just a little yeah. bit so, uh, and talk a little bit about um, uh, what you do uh, with the uh, National Association of Women Business Owners Yeah, and uh, why that became a passion for you. How, okay. how did that become a passion of yours? Well, in 2013, about a year after the merger had taken place, and that's just called um, the first year of a merger is called uh, we're all in this hell together. Let's get it through. <laughs> you know, it's really tough stuff. Um, and once I kind of settled down into that, I met with the CEOs of Bradyware, and they said, you know, we really want to, um, and we have two, we have one that represents audit and tax, and they really wanted to get the women's initiative started in Bradyware. So I said, okay, what do you want? And they go, well, you know, you should know that. And I go, well, I've never done this before, but here's what I know I went through as a woman and I, I weathered the course, I weathered it and I stayed the course and now I'm a partner. And a lot of women in public accounting don't weather, weather it. You know, your 20s are not your 30s, your 30s are not your 40s, there's kids, there's building years and public accounting's hard. And I looked around and saw so much talent in Brainyware and I'm like, they're not staying the course or they stop. So our women's initiative was directed to how do we help empower that workforce, so about 50% of our workforce, to get to you know that point. And so they said start a women's initiative. So one of the things we did in each office was find a local organization that you can get women involved with, you can be out in the community with. Community's huge to Bradyware. So uh, we went to an, a NABO lunch, and 
they were like, this is amazing. And it was, um, it was their visionary lunch. And it was this, um, the president of Build-A-Bear spoke. She was great. The energy in the room. So we joined. And that was in 2014. And of course, within a couple of years, it's like, oh, Betty, you're an accountant. Can you be our treasurer? <laughs> I always get to why, be the treasurer. Why, why yes. the accounts and the bankers I don't always, know. well, they're going to yeah. be good You're, at being a treasurer. Right, right. So I said, okay. And so I got on the board, and the more I just saw, it wasn't even about lunch. It was so much more than that. And they do a lot with advocacy at the legislature, uh, nationally and here. And then it was, I saw the difference it was making in the women in my office of just, they were seeing different perspective. They were there. So I said, you know, I, I need to be all in. And then I evolved into, I was a treasurer for a couple of years and they said, Hey, would you want to be on the president track? And so, uh, we, I said, well, let me think about it, but I'm sure we can do that. And, um, so then I, um, said yes. And so I became the president. Um, let's see, I actually started the president in July of this year. So, and, and so it's been a fun, fun, and the national, uh, organization, I got to go in DC in June to see what they do for advocacy. It's pretty huge. We went to the white house, we went to the Hill. Um, you just saw the impact that they were having. So. You, you actually brought up one of the uh, one of the key questions in entrepreneurialism itself right. is I've never done this before. Right. And well, the nice thing about that, the way that I was taught later in life, you know, is don't don't have so much angst about not doing it before because no one else has either. Right. So <laughs> right. how can you do it wrong? Right. right. It's trial and error. Trial right. by fire. Uh uh, but um, well, that's great that you took on that that uh, challenge from from those folks, and now yes. it's uh, it, what do you do to refresh and, and keep that you know going inside the company now? Yeah. So what we did was uh, the first year I said I want to bring all the women to one office. So our Atlanta, Indiana office, Dayton, Ohio, all came to Dayton, and um, at that time, forty four women came. And we had a day together and I had some, I had, a, I had someone come in who was a good executive coach and she did some, some fun things. And then I told my story. I didn't think I really had a story. I thought, you know, I've just been an accountant and then I did this and I didn't. And, and they were like, very like, wow. And I'm like, it really wasn't that big of a deal in, in my mind. And yet they were listening. And so that energized me to go, okay. So I said at the end of that first day, that first year, what do you guys want to do? And they're like, well, we, we don't know. And I said, well, this is going to evolve, but it's your initiative. And here's the primary thing to, that it's going to help you do is balance your life and empower you, support you. So the next year I went to the board and I said, I would like to have all the women come together again. But the day two, I'd really like to have a conference for the community. And meanwhile, in between, they're finding places to go to in Dayton and Atlanta, things that they can get out and do. We meet quarterly on VTC where we just have, you know, hey, what we're going on. I really tried to get them to read books. I just had to beg, bribe, here's a gift card for who reads this book. They were not as into that. So it's like they go, give us a YouTube or give us an um, a, a article. Well, good, but don't make us read a book. So, so the second year I said, we're going to have a conference that we're going to be proud of that's going to be ours. And so we had Jane Gertie A come and tell the tell the grody story which i could hear all the time and we had pizza that day of course and salad oh yeah and she, pizza. oh yeah and then nabo good was pizza in, uh, we had good pizza and then nabo was involved so that that we went from 44 women to now 135 women so i was like oh this is good then i paired up with the wsba and said you guys know how to throw a party caroline worley and mary mccarthy um if you throw the party or if you do all the work it's still my party but you can keep all the proceeds from the conference 
and they said deal. So the next two years, then they ran, um, and we started getting into over two, 225, 250. And then Naba said, can we come to the table? And we said, sure. So long story short is last year in June, we had a women's conference that started from Brady where uh, 350 women attended, national speakers, um, top dogs, we call them top dogs in the community were there to do panels. And then we just, it, it was an amazing day. And we're already ready next year, starting in on that. A merciful so, plug. When is the convention? Next, it's next June, I believe, June nineteenth. June nineteenth, here, here in Columbus, in Columbus okay. right okay. at the Marriott in on OSU. They do a great job, and we are working right now on keynote speakers and different venue. We should have some kind of um, save the date in January with all the you know the ba- the main details of it. Gotcha. So well, you were chatting there just a minute ago about yep. uh, the WSBA, which yeah. is the Women's Small Business accelerator yes what's what's that all about so um once i said to to them hey can you help uh take this party to a bigger one you know so we start out with 44 women we have jane come in for a couple hours now i want it to be a half day conference and they said yeah and i said um you know the wsba um tell me about your organization and it really was founded by them uh caroline and mary on women are starting businesses. I mean, about 40% of women now are business owned. Of the businesses that are owned, 40% of them are owned by women. But they they don't accelerate as fast or they run into the, the different issues that, that men don't have. And so their whole thing was, it kind of comes down to, the, you don't know what you don't know. So they give you classes, they get you mentors, and they help you because you need advisors because you just, don't know everything and sometimes you're like i had no clue you know and that's some of the stuff that stops women from accelerating so i was all about hey we could do that so they said hey if you if we help you with your conference would you be a donor sponsor uh for our gala and i said sure and so i went back to my board and they said we're in we're let's go and so we've done it ever since with them. And their organization has really taken off in the last four years. And their gala is a lot of fun. They just had it back in um, October, I believe. This is the first year I haven't been there in five years. I was on vacation. But uh, Cameron Mitchell came and spoke. And, and one of their students, one of their first students uh, spoke. And she she has just done really, she's been really successful. And I think she's going to be in Cameron Mitchell's new adventure that he's that he's got. Um, so they really have helped a lot of women go through classes and the mentoring program's huge. So they, they, and they have amazing mentors. I mean, Jane Grady Abel is involved in that program. Um, Sally Hughes with Hughes, uh, Caster Connections. I mean, they have pretty major women that are willing to give their time. I actually was a mentee. They asked me to be a mentor and I said, you know what? I think I need to be a mentee right now. <laughs> so I actually went through their program. So I, we love supporting them. That's kind of our community piece. And Missy Beheimer, who's a director at Bradyware, she's going to now chair the board of directors for them. And she's kind of, I've kind of leveraged that and let go of it. And then I'll still do the women's conference with the community. So we hope to have, you know, that presence out there. That's wonderful. Sounds like they're doing so, a lot of good things. They are. How? Uh, tell me a little bit now, part of why we're sitting here today is yep. we had a power breakfast out at Hartland yep. Bank and... And you were you were there, and uh, and and you had mentioned uh, you asked me a question. You said, "Hey, how can we get you know women-owned businesses, you know, better access to capital?" Right. And so, tell me a little bit about that uh, about that that issue. Yeah, one of the things that that Nabo, uh, as we are in 
um, advocacy and as we are out there representing women is, again, 40% of business owners are women today, and they don't have, the statistics are out there, I can't quote them for you directly, they just don't have the access to capital. Um, And I don't, not so much from the standard bank, anybody has access if their business to go into a bank and get get funding right but the the vcs and the private equities definitely only about only about two percent of their money goes to women-owned businesses and part of it you have to ask why is that some of it is industry some of it is there's no collateral some of it is it's a higher risk um but overall they're not getting their foot in the door to that money and so we're trying to figure out the why to it so we can, so we can fix it. Um, but what I find with business in general is it's not so much that women can't have capital. Businesses have to be lendable. And you need to help women in businesses. What I try to do, because I have a lot of my clients are that, is you got to become lendable. So you have to even know what that means. It's not just your business balance sheet. It's your personal balance sheet. And then they go, what's a balance sheet? So you have to get them to know their financials. At the end of the day, all this hard work I've done, all the things we've put together, all of this last three years, whatever it is, the balance sheet is this is how we've done. That's really what it tells. You know, this is what you're worth after all these years of work. And then in your personal life, it's the same thing because everything is guaranteed today. So if you don't even know what that is, like this is really what I own in my personal life and this is who I owe, you're not going to be lendable. So you have to get those pieces in order. And what gets those in order is you have to go out and generate revenue, not to get a loan to, to fill your bank account, but generate revenue. That's really what does it. So you have to help business owners become lendable. And in women, for women, it's more sometimes the industries they're in, you're limited. So let's say you're a business coach. You are the asset. You know, you're the coach and there's only seven days a week, 24 hours a day, right? Which none of us want to work. And what you find yourself is you start coaching, you're having success and then you get that reputation and you're called, well, how many hours a week can you coach? You know, so at some point you now have to find other coaches to come on underneath you and then that's called employees. And that's where the lending becomes really tricky because a line of credit or just infusing some capital into Hiring employees that could coach to generate revenue is pretty risky for a bank. So you have to really, you know, you have to see what's my two years, what's the last two years, what are my credentials. So, so that's part of it, I think. Um, <clears throat> so you got to help help them become that way. I don't know what the answer is with the VCs and the private equity. Well, you're, there, well, you're in the right place. I mean, there's been yeah. many articles written just in the last six months here about how there's more VC money in Columbus than any other city in America right now. Absolutely. And so Mark Kivamy uh, from Jobs Ohio, you know, he he came here under the auspice of Jobs Ohio, fell in love, mm-hmm. has a child now, you know, and, and moved here and. And uh, there's more and more stuff coming to town all the time. So uh, there is. Um, I mean, Columbus is a happening place. It is. It is very much so. And we were talking about that on the drive in this morning as well, yeah. weren't we? <laughs> about yes. How, yes. How tough that can be. Yep. Um, well, that, you know, obviously, um, uh, the so the organizations themselves, both of them, is WSBA related to the National Association of Women. They are not. They're, they're two, separate two separate organizations, deals. but they work together and they partner together. But they're definitely two separate organizations. So one really is representing, here's the owners, and we're going to advocate for you, and we're going to support you. 
you know, and help you uh, try to transform this. And, and then you have a community that's there. And then WSBA is we're going to help you accelerate. We're going to accelerate so you can get over those bigger humps. And it's hard work. It's not for the it's not for the weak. No, not at all. I mean, <laughs> so, you have to first decide whether you want to be a business owner. Right. I mean, that's right. in itself, in essence. Can I take the risk? Yep. When Most people can't decide when the right time to take the risk is. And the answer is there isn't a right time. They're, right. <laughs> Sometimes it's called I'm downsized, but I have a skill set. Oh, my goodness. Other times it's I'm the hairdresser and I'm really good at cutting hair and I love it and it's fun. And I have my clients. I'm going to own the salon. Owning the salon and cutting hair are two very different things, and I use that example all the time. So you have to have a total different mindset with that. Um, so, but that's a, it's one thing to decide it. Now it's like, okay, um, I think probably you need to understand that you shouldn't be cutting hair. You should be make sure your chairs are full with salon with people who cut hair, and they get their portion and you get yours. That's how you pay because whether you cut hair or not, rent is rent. Right. You know, well, the haircutting thing you can actually use as an example for most people. Look, quit cutting the hair yep. and start running the salon. Correct. You know, and uh, a lot of folks uh, they sometimes are good do. at it and sometimes they're not, and they, sometimes they don't want the headaches associated with that. Right. I mean, it's well, a, accounts are the same way. I can sit behind my desk and bill people all day long, or I can go out and get new clients. You know, because right, my you role can is a share. Your business. Right. Right. My shareholder responsibility is bringing the business. That's why I'm a shareholder. Otherwise, I'm just an employee. Right. You know. Right. So well, maybe you could give us. A, do you have one example of success? Maybe from somebody that that since you've been doing this that uh, uh, that you wouldn't mind sharing with us. Sure. You know? Somebody who is really accelerated. So I had a lady. She um, uh, owned a daycare and um, had a just. I'm sure I'm sure you've never seen this, Scott. The worst balance sheet looking balance sheet I've ever seen. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Uh, yeah. And I got her uh, balance sheet and her income statement, which were hardly really done. I mean, they were horrible. And, and um, she really wanted to be more. And she was going through the WSBA program. And so uh, they said, you know, you really need to work with her on, again. So it was small. And, you know, I don't. The valuable client to me is the listen, you know, I, I can't save you and, and I'm not expensive. I'm valuable to you, but you got to listen or it doesn't work. And she was, she listened from day one. So I knew she could be, you know, a lot more. So every time I saw her, I said, she had a ability to have 43 kids in that, in that place. And I said, um, how many kids today? You know, and she started out, she was well below 30 and then she got into the 30s, and by the time we did that first tax return, she had 40 kids. And she just listened, and she started getting up with other entrepreneurs, other women in business, you know, because it's hard and it's tough. And that first tax bill, she about died. She was like, oh, my gosh. I said, no, no, you've arrived. You're paying taxes. Exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> and you've got everything in order and all your stuff. And then we helped her take it to different levels and began, began the tax strategy with her. And she now is looking at opening the second. I mean, she's trying to find real estate and trying to get out there and go, I can now make this into more. Um, and she just pays her people well, and she, she has a great community, but her passion are still kids, but she's not in the daycare. She runs it. She gets that. 
So she's a great success story. I love uh, it. That's wonderful. You know, and probably her 32nd child that she took care of, she probably named it Profit, right? Because <laughs> that's the break even, right? Well, call, yeah, I you have, have to have 20 or 30 or what's the break even? And then everything after that, I know right. that I'm I'm billing more than what I'm paying. And right. it's that's not a about, big uh, thing. Well, yeah, it's not about um, how can I get a write-off? I'll go buy a car I don't need or I'll go get equipment or I'll do this because it's easy to get that kind of financing at a bank. It really is what is your break even point and how do we get there? And now she's so much more lendable, you know, because she's had a couple of really good years and her personal balance sheet has also been dealt with. And so she is, she's ready to go to the bank and go, here I am. Or she's ready to go to private equity or investor or VC, especially if she wants to franchise it or make her, you know, mark, but she's, she's getting there. And that's what's fun about it. Besides knowing your break even point, what are maybe one or two other points if you had to drive them home to people of, Hey, this is, this is first, second, and third base when you're just when right. you're running the bases, running your own business. What what are they? Yeah, I mean, first you have to um, you have to know what your balance sheet is, and if you don't, and you think that's your bookkeeper's job, you have to understand. Here's what I'm worth. Here's all the hard work, and and have a starting point. And it might look really bad. You might go, oh my gosh. The second thing you have to realize is if you're going to come out of this, it's because you're profitable. So you have to do anything to become profitable. And what is amazing to me is you have, here's my income and here's the cost to do business. So here's my gross profit for overhead. And you're like, man, I make 50 cents on the dollar. Well, what's your overhead? And so you come up with this administration. 50 you know, cents on the dollar is pretty good. Right. So you're going good because if I have a million dollars. <laughs> Most people are happy with 6%, yeah, on, or I, 6 pennies on the dollar. If I have, well, if I have a million dollars and I get to keep half of it, well, if you pay rent, that's really huge and you have all these things. So what you have to look at is there's, you have this gross profit, but then here's my overhead. That's part one. Um, and overhead does not include draws as a shareholder and it doesn't include paying off debt maybe some interest in there. It doesn't include my reinvestment. And oh, by the way, I just want to take more out of my company because I work hard. So you have to take gross profit. Now here's my overhead. Here's my bottom line that I can now have to do these things. Because you have to be thinking about debt reduction and reinvestment and you, you're, you know, the, the shareholder. Why would you do this? I mean, so I, I look at that as becoming profitable. Know your balance sheet, becoming profitable. The third thing is, is I'm not doing this because it's fun all the time. I'm going to sell this one day. And you always have to look at your business in the terms of how do, would I buy me? (laughs) Would I look at this and go, yeah, I can't wait to do this. I can't, you know, so you have to really be honest with that, which means when you're selling your company, did you get the right employees around you? Because the team is a huge sale. It's a huge part of the asset. And do I have a product that's worth the money that it makes? So if I did 1040s all day long, all I would ever do is 1040s. It's not something that is in my sweet spot, but 1040s are part of accounting, right? <laughs> so you right. kind of have to do yeah. So I, when I shifted to, you must be a business to come to Betty Collins and then I'll do your 1040. That way I have a product that's worth something, you know, for me at the end of the day to pay debt, to reinvest and to take it home. So those are things I would tell you. You know, a lot of folks don't, uh, business owners don't pay a lot of attention to their growth over time and actually what they're paying themselves. Right. And, and let me just define that you pay yourself not only through a wage, but through the equity growth in your balance sheet. So that's why Mm -hmm. it's so important to have that starting 
make you know, a starting point and saying, here's where I started. And then you measure that and share with your spouse right. and your attorney and update your will and all that kind of stuff every you know, periodically, you know, at least once a year. And that way, uh, you know, that's your true way to, to wealth. My father taught me that. He said, Scott, you're never going to save your way to wealth. No. The only no. way to, to truly make it and be financially independent is to control your own balance sheet. Right. Sign your own paycheck. And uh, that takes it's a lot of risk and a lot of hard work. It does. You have to do it. You know, and I really think back in the 70s, they were smart. Not that I was ever doing anything in the 70s, but going to kindergarten. But you, they would have annual meetings with their advisors because as a C-Corp, it was required to have minutes and everybody was there. I think that's a missing element. To me, you should be meeting with um, your banker, your CPA, your attorney, insurance, if you have industry-specific things. So you're all listening. The only people in the room going to charge is the CPA and the attorney. Exactly. Everyone else is free. Yeah, bankers don't charge but, hardly no, they don't. Right. I mean, you come they to really a meeting, don't. you I know. Mean, right. Interest and maybe a fee on your loan, and that's it. I mean, it's the best resource people don't utilize. Correct. And they so, avoid it, actually. Right. And you guys, really, the only way they pay you is if they're actually using your cash, right? So to me, getting that group together is a huge deal. And pe- we, we, I can't get people to do it, but it really pays for itself. Oh, it does, um, in spades, yeah. for sure. And then you're all talking about, am I building enough wealth, and is this worth it? Now, you have a podcast of your own. I uh, do. What, 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 tell me about your podcast. Um, inspiring Women. That was one of those, I would never do a podcast <laughs> today. I'm doing a podcast. And so it really is on top. You're doing a lot of things that you said you'd never do. I know. I quit saying never. Never is a pretty big word. <laughs> yeah, I'm never saying never. Right? <laughs> now, um, the podcast has been really a lot of fun. Um, I do public speaking, so people you know, will say, that was you're really funny. You've got humor. You don't seem like a CPA. And so... But I really, people started liking some of the stuff that I would say or, you know, and so I thought I should put this out there and see if it connects with women. And it's issues like confidence. You know, it's one thing to have confidence. It's another thing to be courageous with it. You know, I mean, it's one, when you're confident and you're sitting at the boardroom, okay, but when you don't speak up and you know you should, then you, you you know, that's not courageous. Um, So I started bringing up topics like that, you know, your political savvy, um, you know, how you navigate through stuff. And it really, it rarely talks about accounting, truthfully. But I do have one where I talk about my nevers or my opportunities, right? And that, w- that was actually my most listened to podcast. Um, so we're doing a 2020 series and, and I've gone to more interviews, you know, finding people who have been there and done that. People love the story. They always love the story. And so, um, and that we get a lot of hits on those. And then it's on Radio X. So it goes nationally in pot. They have it in different pockets. So it's, um, it's been a lot of fun and it keeps me attuned. Because How many years have you been doing it? Just, um, you know, I think I'm on my 20th. Of course, 20th I, I should podcast, say 20th. Okay. I, I've written 20 because we're, I'm trying to get 2020's podcast done. <laughs> Understood. So yeah. it, we started it, I'm going to say, um, oh my gosh, I should know this, probably August of 18 or September of 18, somewhere in there. First launch was December of 18, I think. Gotcha. Something like that. That's awesome. So. Well, congratulations well, on that. You. And uh, obviously, you know, they're using that new medium. Uh, this medium of yep. podcasting is great. It's available for people whenever they, you know, have time to listen to it or when yep. they feel they need to get a boost or a new idea or something like that. 
Um, so that's wonderful. Well, you know, I've enjoyed our time together yeah, today. It's been great Betty. today. Uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate you coming, especially, you know, taking the passion of, of helping women become entrepreneurs. It's tough. Whether a woman or a man, it's tough being an entrepreneur. It is. And you have to have that support system there. Yeah. And so I want to thank you for creating that, fostering the support system, taking the challenge from, from Brady Ware and, uh, and going out there and making it happen. And uh, appreciate you coming in here today and uh, driving the sea bus. Well, I appreciate you having me. This is a great honor. And you you, know, you guys do a great job with Harlan Bank. I love using uh, your bankers. I, I actually have two women there that I really like connecting other women to. And um, and your your power breakfast with Kenny McDonald's, the one I went to, was really good. Yeah, Kenny's so. a good guy. He's been on the podcast as well. Yep. Uh, yeah, something about Harlan. Uh, you know, our senior management team is uh, 68% women. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell you, the way I run my business, I try to, to deal with folks that want to get down to business and want to put their personal egos to the side and we want to work as a team. Right. Women have a have an advantage over men, I think, in the, in the sense that they're able to multitask or able to handle all kinds of different emotions yeah. uh, differently and then they don't let it affect their day-to-day uh, opportunities and and uh, and challenges. It is, you know, so. it is big, and I'll, and I know I could talk all morning with you, but um, when Brady where when I came to Brady where there were two women on the on the in the shareholder group about twenty, and one was retiring. So when I really came in, there were two of us, and um, so my goal was to get women that were rising up in Bradyware to be shareholders, not because I wanted women shareholders. I want shareholders. I want really good ones. And so now we have, I call we have seven. So we're the magnificent seven and I will get to the dirty dozen. That'll be, I'll feel like I've done it. So, but it just brings different perspective too, but it's more the talent. I want, I want the right talent in that room. So that's great. Well, once again, Betty, thanks for driving the bus. Yep. Thanks for having us. 